Everybody, this is Jimmy Bratcher. How are you? It is a lovely day here in Kansas City. In fact, it's a hundred-year record-breaking day in that it was, um, I think it got up to like 82 today or something. So that's a little bit different from the 10 inches of snow we had, what, last week or the week before? Um, something like that. So anyway, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be hanging out with you. I tried to get everything set up so I could be out on the porch doing the deal out there, but I just didn't make it happen. I need me some technical support. I do. I need me a, a video person to come in here and do all this stuff and an audio person. And all I have to do is just show up and blow up. But I'm happy to be here tonight. Sherry is, um, I can hear her in the kitchen. She's getting dinner ready because I'm going to eat after we get done with this. And uh, things are just good here. So I've been busy all week meeting with pastors and uh, just doing what I do. So anyway, I want to start off with some music whenever we're in a live setting. And I say, Sherry, what song you want me to play? And she'll always say, Three chords. Here you go. When it walked into the room, it was all business, that's for sure. When it walked into the room It was all business, that's for sure He walked up to the band and said Play three chords and no Said, play me three chords, twelve bars, and burn it slow. He said, play me three chords, twelve bars, and burn it slow. Don't know about you, but whenever I get the blues, play me three chords and no more. Blue. 
doctor Come and cure my condition I don't need a physician Write me out a prescription I don't need no surgeon Cut this aching out my heart Just play me three chords Somebody will on that guitar Three chords Play me three chords and no more Oh, somebody play me three chords Three chords off of my album titled Red. Red was actually going to be titled Parables. And that was one of the first parable songs that I wrote. And if you've heard it live, there's always the ending that I added on after the studio recording where I say, there's three things you need to drive your blues away. You're going to need the Father, the Son, and the whole get a little yodeling going on, Holy Ghost, which are the three chords that hold us together, the three-fold chord that cannot be broken. Well, it makes me happy to do that, to play that song and to reminisce. I am, uh, you know, troubled by the events that are shaping up in our world with what's going on in Ukraine, uh, the leadership here in this country, and I am believing for <laughs> a revival of common sense to hit our planet or to hit our leaders. I mean, I don't care which party you're for or against, you're for it or against it. Uh, I just would like to see some just common sense. Um, that would be a good thing. So yesterday was a big day for Sherry and I, and that it was, if you, I don't know if you got an email from me yesterday or not, you probably should have, that it was 22 years ago yesterday that we cleaned out our offices at the church, went home, and quit our jobs and lost our benefits and our salary because we had this thing in our hearts. And uh, I just wanted to take this evening, I'm kind of in between what I'm preparing. I've got a bunch of stuff coming up. I got stuff prepared through April, May, you know, Resurrection, Pentecost, all of those things. And I'm excited about all that. But right now, I just want to take a few minutes and just kind of go back. And I'm going to bounce back and forth to Facebook. And if you have a question about anything that goes on with us, what we do, all of those things, um, um, just put it in, write it down on Facebook. I don't have access to YouTube Live, but... Um, but if you can do that, that would be great. So 22 years ago, 
Uh, Sherry and I were associate pastors in uh, one of the fastest growing churches in America. And we had been very successful there. But one day I can take you back, if I was in the building there, I could take you back to the spot right in front of my office door where I heard a voice. And that voice in my heart asked me a question. And uh, the question was, can you do this for the rest of your life? And my answer immediately was yes. That was my intention. I was, we were very successful. Um, you know, all the things that looked really good. And then the voice continued and said, and be happy. And to that, I said very quickly, no. Because I knew that I had this dream in my heart and I had this inner witness that if I didn't do something else, that I was going to wake up <laughs> at, in my late 60s, early 70s and go, why didn't I do something with, you know, that I had dreamed about? And so we cleaned out our offices and took a step of faith. And at that time, uh, I define that as, you know, living by faith is code word. This is what I used to say. Living by faith is code word for vocational ministries. It means no paycheck, no benefits, no nothing. And uh, But we stepped out to live by faith, and we really didn't know what we were going to do. We were on a journey, and so we just started looking for opportunities, and uh I assumed, you know, because we had made the decision a year and a half prior to that to transition from that position and to pastor a church. That's what I thought I would do as pastor a church or Sherry and I would do. We had the resume for it. We had the, the tools, basically, between the two of us to make it happen. Sherry was, you know, at that time, Sherry, she had a staff of 40 people, um, that handled all of the hospital ministry, bereavement ministry, um, you know, uh, anytime somebody had a baby ministry. And she had this volunteer staff that she put together by herself, organized that did all that stuff. And her and I were seeing somewhere between 250 and 500 people individually in our offices for for personal ministry, what you would call traditionally like a counseling ministry. We didn't call it that. Um, we called it victory through the word. So our job was to help people understand what the Bible said about their issues and try to help them to walk in those, in that victory that the word of God gives us. But we, we didn't know what we were going to do. We just started looking for opportunities. And I started taking Everything that came, everything that even smelled like an opportunity, I was taking it. So we were doing small groups, we were doing Bible studies, we were doing prisons, we were doing churches, and I wasn't even playing music then. So my music had taken a back seat uh, for 20 years, pretty much at that point, from 1997. Is that right? No, from... from 1976 until 2000. So however many years that is, I'm not going to do the math. 
And uh, so I wasn't doing ministry, but I had or music, but I had this desire in my heart, and music was part of it. And so we just started taking opportunities. And you know how I feel about that. Opportunities are the vehicles that will take you to your dreams. Might you might have this, you know, this you know, so I had this desire. It was like I want to go do something for God, which has always been the desire. You know, I've talked about that before when people say, well, when did you have a, you know, when did you receive a call of God on your life to ministry? And I always say, well, I didn't. I just have always, since the moment I was born again, it's like, this is fabulous. What can I do? How can I, what can I do to, to serve the Lord? And so I always had that desire. So it never, never was one of those aha moments when God just just invaded it. So we started and we took everything that we could. And I think that first year we did about a hundred events or something. It was, it was remarkable. And, uh, we were really lean from a cash flow standpoint. We didn't have a, we didn't have a mortgage payment. I don't, yeah, we had a car payment, I think. And that was about it. And we were, we didn't have a mortgage payment, but we were paying rent. And so, we just started and we had no idea what we were going to do, whether or not we were going to starve, whether or not I was going to need to get a job, any of those things. But we just started and we started with really the friends that we had and just making them aware that what we were doing. And when I, one of the first things that I prayed when I started was, Lord, I don't know what to do. Have you ever, you ever prayed that prayer? I think I prayed that prayer today. As a matter of fact, I don't know what to do. And, uh, and then, and so the Lord spoke to me or I heard this voice in my heart. I'll say that. And the voice said, make friends, don't schedule meetings. Now, obviously I had to have opportunities to minister in churches in order to be able to survive because early on uh, we didn't have a donor base we didn't have people that were contributing monthly like some of you do um, we didn't have any of that and i was intent on not building that or not trying to do that use that model um, which i later had to change because so many people people would come to me and say if you would just send us a letter uh, we would contribute to what you're doing. We want to contribute if you just send us a letter. And so so anyway, but we had no idea. So make friends. And what that meant to me was to go out and make and build relationships that were mutually beneficial. So it was reciprocal. It wasn't just, hey, I'm coming and you're giving me things, but hey, I'm coming and giving you things and you're giving me things and we return this, but it was really not about scheduling events as much as it was about building relationships. So being with people, building relationships. So each of us, you know, one of the things that I had to discover and all of us have to discover is in every relationship really is what value do I bring to the relationship? So what unique aspect of what of who I am and what I do can I bring into my relationships that cause the other person 
to receive that value. And I had to define that in what I was asking for, what I was presenting to people, all of those things. So we each have a responsibility to do that. And it's not just about what we can get from each other, but how we can serve each other. Back to that serving each other. You got to serve somebody, but you need to serve everyone. And many times, you know, our opportunities are not really those, they're unexpected. They're not what we were looking for. You know, they're just not. And one of the pivotal things that happened to Sherry and I happened in, I, I looked, tried to look it up. I think it was, or it was the fall of 2000 or the spring of 2001. So we were on a, we were on a ministry trip uh, and I believe we were driving from Houston to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Would that be right? But it, whatever it was, I have met this pastor in Auburn, Alabama. And uh, I guess it wasn't that. We were going from Houston to Macon, Georgia is what it was. And um, and I had met this pastor uh, in Auburn, Alabama, Mike and Sue Wright at Victory World Prayer Center was the name of the church. And and I had tried to call him and I had tried to connect with him and I had tried to build a relationship with him and it just went nowhere. And I, as we were driving uh, towards, you know, in th through, I don't know, Texas or Louisiana or something, I just thought, you know, I think I'm just going to call this guy up and tell him, hey, we're going to be in Auburn about 11 o'clock. Would you all like to go to lunch? And so I called this pastor and, and do that. I just left him a message, a voicemail. I thought, well, probably not going to hear from him, but I'm going to Macon because I was doing pre-production on my first album, Honey in the Rock, in Macon, Georgia. And uh, so it had to be, it had to be in 2000. But anyway... So he called me back and said, yeah, we'd love to meet for lunch. So we met at this place, had a hamburger. And, uh, and then we went to their house and we got a hotel room. You know, we paid for it. We got a hotel room and we're sitting there. And um, Sue, Mike's wife, goes, you have to come back here. You, can, you know, you must come back here. And she was, talk she was talking about like, as soon as you leave Macon, I want you to come back here. And I said, well, I'm not sure what we're going to do in Macon, but if at all possible, we'll come back. And so it worked out so that we could come back on a Saturday. So we came back on a Saturday, um, you know, that week, I guess it was. And, um, and so we're just visiting, you know, we're just building a relationship, just visiting back and forth. And it's got late into the evening, dark, where they lived out in the country and we were sitting in a porch swing swinging and about 10 o'clock that evening Mike looks at me and he goes uh you got the message tomorrow and I'm like I'm freaking out I'm like oh man I need to prepare what am I going to do I don't have you know I don't know all of these things and so I wrestled with it all night I mean I was awake off and on all night anxious all of these things and I had to preach this message in our home church, and I had the notes, and to be real honest, the message was a dud. It was an absolute dud. It was like it just laid there, you know? And every now and then Sherry will say, well, that was a dud. But, um, 
So I, I thought, you know, I'll do this message, you know, I'll just preach this message called Take It to the Limit. And you might have heard me preach that message. It's like, so anyway, so we get up, they have two Sunday morning services. We go to the first service and I'm going through this message and it's like, it's okay, but it's not like burning down the house, you know, it's not really impacting the people. And I'm in the message and I, and all of a sudden I decide I'm going to tell some stories. And so about, you know, so the message has two points, take your faith to the limit and the manifestation of faith, Galatians 5, 6, you know, faith works by love. Take your love to the limit. Take your love to the limit with all the, you know, I say I've been in, I've been in church, you know, now 45 years and I've been around Christians that get on my last nerve, you know, and, um, and so we have to take our faith to the limit with each other, which opens up the opportunity for us to be safe to take our faith to the limit with other people. And so I start telling stories about, you know, bikers and, uh, you know, some other people. And I end up telling mine and Sherry's story. And it was, you know, I told all that third person. So I didn't say like, oh, this is our story. You know, I told our mine and Sherry's story. You probably heard it before. You know, single moms in a grocery store. So I told it third person. And it like and it was like heaven just dropped into that place. And I gave an altar call. And the first person at the altar was the pastor, weeping, crying his eyes out. And uh, really had to, I had to go interrupt him from his time at the altar so that the second service would start. And so it was just a big download into my heart. And because, you know, my message out of that was based on that the most evangelistic thing that a person can do in America is invite somebody to come to church with them. Hands down, like banging up there at that time, it was over 90% of people that came to Jesus in America, came to Jesus be just simply because somebody had the courage and the love enough, the faith and the love to invite somebody to come to church. And all the stories that I told had that tenant in it. And so it was like heaven opened up my heart and just downloaded all of this stuff that would be basically the tenant for our entire ministry for the past 22 years. And it was an unexpected opportunity. I wasn't looking for that opportunity. I wasn't expecting that opportunity. We were just building relationships and that opportunity presented itself out of the relationship that we built. And, you know, that's just kind of some of the things. You know, there's a couple of things, a couple of key verses. I keep this on my desk. I know you can't read it, but it's Acts 18.27. And because it's something that I believe for, for our ministry. And it says this, Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia. And the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia and asked them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. And so I've had this, this you know, it's kind of yellowed piece of paper, either on my, on my, I used to keep a calendar on my wall over here, 
And it either was taped to that calendar every year, every, you know, all 22 years, until I quit using it, the wall calendars, and it's been on my desk. And why? Because I believe that uh, as we go someplace, it will be beneficial to people. And that other people will say to other people, as we need to build these relationships, that, hey, you ever hear Jimmy Bratcher? You ever hear Sherry Bratcher's story? And uh, you ever hear that crazy guy that does blues in church kind of thing? And so, you know, <clears throat> we asked people as we as our notoriety grew to share, you know, hey, you're a chaplain in a prison. Then, you know, you know other chaplains in the system. Would you tell them? You know, would you let them know that we we have this available? And so everything that we've done up to this point in our ministry is um, based on us making friends. And so from that, we have friends all over the world that we can, you know, we can pick up the phone and call them on the phone and they share in our life. You know, when Sherry went through uh, her little inconvenience, the cancer that she had in 2019, she got flowers from all over the place, from churches and pastors and people that just care about her. And because we have a relationship, not out of obligation or anything, it was just because we love them and they love us. And, uh, and the other thing, and then I'll, I'll quit, but, uh, well, I got two more things I'll talk about. So Mark 12, 37, you've heard me talk about this a lot. It's just a little commentary on the end of Mark 12, 37, that spoke to my heart one day. I was reading it, and it's a commentary about what Jesus did and how he did what he did. And it just says this, quote, the common people heard him gladly, end quote. And I had an experience happen early on in probably 2001. We were invited to go to Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola. And I have a picture over here. Let me go get it real quick. I think I can get it. Yeah, I can get it. Hang on. Don't go nowhere. So I have this picture that's in my office. And it's of the Angola Prison Rodeo. Now they do a rodeo at the prison. It's a huge prison. It's 18,000 acres, seven prisons there. And they do this rodeo with the inmates. And it's like, you know, it's been on ESPN. So this poster's from 2001. And, um, but I, we were at Angola doing um, outreaches in the prisons. And, uh, and the warden at that time, um, he was taking us on a tour of some of the facilities and there were, I don't know, four or five of us on this tour. I don't remember if Sherry was with me on this or not. But we, he walked up to this door, opened up this, you know, unlocked this door and opened it up. And as we were walking in, he goes, oh, this is death row. And there's 90 men in here that are condemned to die. And I walked up to the first guy's cell and start, I started trying to talk to him. And... What, what I quickly discovered is that I had no idea how to talk to him. I knew how to talk and function in church culture, in the religious culture. 
if you knew what was going on with the church, I knew how to talk to you about church stuff, but just a common guy on the street, a guy condemned to death, I had no idea how to talk to this guy. And it gripped my heart. And I came home, I told Sherry, I said, we're gonna, we're gonna change everything. We're gonna, we're gonna figure out how to, to talk to the common people in such a way that they will gladly receive it. Like Jesus was mentioned, like it was mentioned of Jesus. So we, I tore my heart apart. I mean, I, I went through ripping out religious culture stuff, trying to figure out how in the world can I communicate to just people that don't know anything about church, that don't believe like I believe, in a way that will, can, that will reach them, that they will understand and they will receive. And that was a big experience in our life. And it set us on a course. It was preparing my heart and what Sherry and I do to be ready when um, other venues started opening up to us. Because that wasn't even on our radar back then. Uh, we had, you know, in 2002, a year later, uh, was when my bass player, Jeff Wallenberg, died. And that opened up our eyes to see, hey, you can go into a music venue and do what you do, and people will gladly receive it. And it was just one of those things. So they didn't look like the, the dream that I had in mind, but the opportunity presented itself, and our opportunities became dreams. So that kind of is the conclusion of our thing. I keep saying, I'm going to quit this series on relationships, but it's all part of it's so much of fabric of who we are, and it's so much a, a fabric of the heart of God, because that's what God's intention was with man, that we have this relationship with him, we have this relationship with our family, our spouses, and then we are sharing this relationship with the people around us. And that's really what the heart of the gospel is. So I hope that that uh, is something I went a little long, but you know, I could tell stories all night. One of these days I need to just sit down and just do a long format video podcast or something and and uh and just tell stories sherry and i just sit down and tell stories and uh because that's you know who we are and what we do so anyway i hope tonight let me bounce over here and just see if there's any questions that uh that anybody has left me i see some comments but i don't see any questions there Maybe y'all already know all this stuff and you don't need to ask me any questions. Anyway. So Don, uh, I don't know where you're at, but um, we need to connect. We would love to have you come to the church down here where we are. So just send me a, a message on Facebook uh, in, you know, just a direct message on Facebook. And we will be more than happy to consider that. So let me see. I, I'm not seeing. This is so frustrating to me. Let me. There. 
Maybe y'all. Let me bounce over here. Maybe I can see it. Thanks, Don, for the comment about being an inspiration. Um, there's my niece, Carmen. Her daddy, Mark. Portia Taylor. Portia and Perry Taylor. Perry Taylor played on three chords. How about that, Perry Taylor? Scott September Trittle. Heather McKay and Kendall. I want y'all to be praying for Kendall. Heather and Kendall are friends of ours from Living Word Fellowship in Knoxville, Iowa. And they're youngins, you know. And uh, Kendall uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, so he's undergoing treatment. So, Devin, what's going on? Y'all pray for Devin, too. Her husband, Chris, uh, left this world for eternity back in January. And and all that stuff. There's Carol Thomas. Carol, uh, I can tell stories about Carol. Pam Stricker. And uh, all, man, Sherry's like, she's busy on here. But I don't see any questions, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you for loving us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for helping us. Lord, we pray for Pam Summers tonight. God, raise her up. Lord, grant her the grant her faith. Lord, let that faith be manifest for Kendall and Heather and their family. Lord, we just pray and believe for absolute miraculous healing, complete restoration. Give everyone concerned with his treatment and care absolute flawless, one hundred percent error-free performance that everything be exactly right. Lead them to the right physicians, the right treatments, everything be just absolutely perfect. And Lord, it'd just be great if it just, bam, it was gone. And we trust you with that because we know Jesus paid the price for it. And we speak to these needs and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I love y'all and um, we, will we will be back here on Sunday morning. I will uh, pre-record my message for Sunday, and uh, we've got some family things that are uh, keeping us out on Sunday morning, so I will get that done and, and get that posted. So anyway, love y'all. I will see you on Sunday. If you have any questions, just send me an email. Adios.